0: Uh, Good morning and welcome, family. We trust you had a great week. Uh, We're looking forward to our week of prayer and fasting, which starts tomorrow. Uh, Pastor Louie and I will be speaking about that a little later in the service. But for now, let's position our hearts to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit in worship as we turn our attention to Him.
1: Fire fall in this place let your fire fall in this place let your fire fall in this place
2: let your father
1: Bye. So today we
3: pause in this moment to be overcome by your presence to be changed by your beauty to be lost and found in your love <laughs> you know this morning is you watching this broadcast at home our prayer here this morning is that you tangibly experience that going on with kids running around and you know probably pajamas and who knows what else but I want to challenge you just to make a dedication this morning saying Lord we we want your presence in our homes we want your presence And that as we engage in this journey of moving with You, Holy Spirit, You're such a great mentor, You're such a great teacher. How You come and counsel us and You comfort us at the same time. To move with You this day, lead us and guide us.
4: I breathe in you and every step I take I take in you you are my way Jesus every breath I take I breathe in you oh ways of mercy ways of Step by 10
3: of Christ the love of God just moving in waves over us we receive Lord the moving of your waves your love
5: Lord Jesus you are our Alpha Omega our beginning and our end you are the first you are the last we thank you Lord for the courage we draw from the fact that all of our life every aspect, every part of it is in you that there is nothing Lord that we are going through that we are experiencing that is outside of the realms of your Lordship and of your love and your care for us Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you make Jesus real to us in this moment right now. That each of us can know you personally. That can know your love for me, for my family, for the people I care about, Lord. That you love us. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, we can love you. And we give you our worship. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives. We give you everything because you are worthy in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things we give to the Lord and the ways we love him and worship him is when we give our tithes and offerings. And as you have been doing so faithfully over just such a long period of time already, I want to encourage you to remain faithful in your worship of the Lord through your giving. So right now you will see on your screen, just come the prompts and, and just follow that and please give according to what you have desired in your heart, decided in your heart to give and give cheerfully because He is our Lord and our Savior. So thank you for giving. Hey everybody. So tomorrow we're starting with our week of prayer and fasting. Every year we do this, but this year it's going to be a bit different, but really very, very special. Uh, I want to invite you to please join us. Uh, A time of prayer is going to be so important and valuable for us at this juncture, particularly in the challenges we face. We believe God is wanting to do something to help us move forward and to move on with him and the building of his kingdom. So we're going to pray together. Obviously it's going to happen digitally only, uh, not in in in-person places. And uh, we're going to tell more about that and there's also going to be fasting that's involved in it and we we're going to tell you but to help me just to communicate all of this with you I've got Ben with us. Ben oversees our community hub, which is our pastoral team, and they've been working really hard and putting all the stuff together, and so thankful for all their work. And so, Ben, won't you tell
0: us a bit more about the week of prayer and fasting? Sure. Thanks, Pastor Louis. Um, Obviously, the first thing I need to tell you about is our online devotions, and we've, the pastors have spent a lot of time preparing this, and uh, it's fantastic. So, we're looking forward to going through this. And so, where can you get this? You can get it on-site. You can actually drive to the church and get it a church reception. You can also download of our church website. And uh, so that'll be available. Also, uh, during the week, every every day from Monday to Saturday, there's actually a video of each of the day's devotions where the pastors will be unpacking that day's theme for the day. And so it's going to be a really great resource for you. Yeah. Um, obviously, one of the other things that uh, we are doing is fasting, as Louis mentioned a moment ago. And uh, I, I kind of know what I'm going to be fasting. Um, my favorite soccer team isn't doing as well yeah, this yeah. year. It's
5: easy when your team's not winning a lot. My team, on the other hand, really doing well. So I don't know if I'm going to fast them. You
0: know. <laughs> I'm not mentioning names. I'm not going to mention which <laughs> no, team. Say,
5: yeah. <laughs> what else do you think of fasting? Is that it? You're just going to fast your soccer I, team. I'm That's gonna, a little bit I'm, too little. I'll never think of it. I'm not quite sure <laughs> at the
0: moment. And yourself,
5: maybe. Yeah, look, I, I'll do some form of food fast in this week. And um, probably also some digital content that I, I have going to fast. We normally do something as a family together. We haven't discussed that yet, but we will definitely be part of the fast. And I, I think fasting is really important and very valuable. You know what? For me what fasting does in this context, it's a way of me saying, "Lord, I need you. And perhaps these things in my life that I draw on to sustain me, to make me feel good about life, that I enjoy. And I'm drawing away from those things to say, "Lord, you are my only source. I, I need you more than anything else. I think there's other components to fasting, but for me, that's a lot of what this week's kind of fasting is about.
0: And I think obviously what's really important is on tomorrow, Monday, uh, we as a church, all of us, we want to actually do a food fast. And so if you're able to, to actually fast food tomorrow. Not uh, fast food, you know, fast food. Yeah, it can be McDonald's. You can fast McDonald's, but uh, fast food. Uh, So we're going to do that tomorrow. If you uh, want to do a juice fast or something like that, you also can do that. But as a church, all of us, as many of us as possible, just to really, as a community, be doing that together. So we're really looking forward to it. We we really trust the Lord's going to do something significant in our church and our community.
5: Yeah. Not only will we be fasting together but we will also be praying together. Now the praying this year, obviously, because of COVID-19 and restrictions, we're gonna do that virtually, and we're gonna do that in virtual prayer rooms. So
0: don't you tell us more about the virtual prayer room. Kind of virtual prayer room sounds a bit odd, uh, but virtual prayer rooms, it's like kind of going to the prayer chapel at church, but it's an online version of that, and we're gonna be in a room together. There's a whole bunch of time that we can do that. All the details are on our website, so please go and have a look at that. It's in the morning, the afternoon, and then we have evening sessions as well. And the evening sessions will be of guided it's, yeah. it's on Wednesday to Saturday evenings at seven o'clock uh, on those four nights and so all the details are there but particularly if you want to mention on the Friday yeah.
5: night. Something Fri- Friday night's going to be a significant time for us because it's going to be for all generations together. Uh, we've become to do that over the last years so that we get all all age groups to pray together uh, you know in our church building. This year again we're doing that virtually but we're going to have a facilitated prayer time together across all generations. And to help with that, the, the next gen team have provide, uh, prepared this for us as a pack to help with families to guide through prayer, this envelope. And when you come and pick up your, your prayer guide at the church, you can also pick this up and uh, pray with your family. You can download it digitally also. It's also available. But it would be great if you pick it up, and then you can have this as a, as a just a facilitation for your prayer time as a family. So it's going to be a great time together. We're no,
0: really looking forward to that. So just to reiterate, it's going to be online this year. Uh, so All the details are online. So if you go to the uh, Hatfield website, uh, all the details are there. You'll see a little emblem which says uh, Week of Prayer and Fasting. All the details are there. So we're really looking forward to it. Uh, We hope as many of you will engage with us as possible during this week. And we're really trusting that God is going to do something significant with us as a a community.
5: Thanks to Ben, and thanks for the team that did all the hard work to make this possible. So if it's your first time with us, join us for the week of prayer and fasting. If you've done it many years, it's going to be different, but it's going to be great. So look forward to seeing you in the prayer times together. Have a great day. Well, I just want to say good morning to everybody and uh, welcome. Thank you for joining me on this uh, service this morning, and for the sermon part particularly, I just want to say it's so great to be with you. Um, I know there's many people that uh, are joining us that may be new. Now, when we used to be on site together, then we do one of these things where normally in a church service, they would say, if you're here for the first time, raise your hand, and then we'd give you something, some information about the church, or invite you for a cup of coffee, or or something. And obviously, we're very limited at the moment. We can't do that but I thought it would be so great if you are new, if, you, if perhaps it's your first time or you recently have started joining us on a Sunday in, in this uh, service time, uh, then won't you just drop a message right now? Even if it's just a hi or a wave, just we'd like to know you there. We're not going to, you know do anything, but just like to know that you're there. It's just so great for us. So, so that'll be fantastic right now in the comments section on, on, on social media. Just say hi, and it'll be great to just know. Just be aware of you. That'll be so fantastic. Um, and you're joining us in our series that we started. Uh, this is the third week of our series entitled "Moving with God." And today's message is "Moved by the Spirit." And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the book of Acts. And we're drawing strength from those early believers in the New Testament that faced such tremendous challenges and obstacles and restrictions and difficulties. But yet they were able to do more than what is imaginable. And they were able to excel in their faith at that time. And they were able to see the kingdom of God and the movement of the church launched. No, no. Pressure that was placed on them or persecution that they were under or or natural restrictions, geographic restrictions, cultural restrictions stopped them from being able to move forward uh, and respond to the movings of God in their time. And and we want to be the same. We want to be people that are not pushed back by the challenges we face, by the the difficulties we are going through right now. And I know that most people that are joining me today, that we, we are going through some form of difficulties. Our lives are restricted. We are not able to move as we want to. We, we have economic challenges. There's so many things that come against us. But I want to tell you, the Spirit of God is not limited. And the Spirit of God is moving in our time. And He's moving in your life. And He wants to move through your life. And there's plans that He has for you. And nothing can stop that if we are surrendered people and we follow the prompting and the working of the Holy Spirit, we too will overcome. And that's why we're doing this this series, Move With God, because we want to be on the move, even though we cannot move physically in many ways, but we want to move with God. And we want to take hold of the things that God has determined and planned for us. So I trust that you are finding strength and encouragement from this series. In in the last three weeks, we've been in Acts 1 and Acts 2. Today, we're going to really spend most of the time in Acts 2. But I just want to remind you, last week I I shared with you, uh, Craig Keenan, division of the book of Acts and really want to just uh, credit him again for a lot of the material I'm using is is his material and his excellent studies that he did in the book of Acts and uh, he he gave the the first two chapters of the book of Acts he divided into these sections. Uh, It's going to come on your screen so I'm not going to read the verses but uh, just so that you remember that he spoke about the promise of Pentecost The preparation of Pentecost, the proofs of Pentecost, the people of Pentecost, the prophecy of Pentecost, the preaching of Pentecost, and the purpose of Pentecost. And he divided the the, the first two chapters in those sections. And today I want to talk a little bit more about the preparation of Pentecost, the proofs of Pentecost, and the people of Pentecost, and focus a little bit on that now, let's go to Acts 1 verse 23 and, and turn to the word and read from there. I'm just going to read the first three verses for us and, and um, then we're going to just look at some of the dynamics that it is shown to us in here. In a, in this, this falls in the section of preparation for Pentecost, preparation for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 23, so they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and to lot to fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. I find it so encouraging that one of the first things the book of Acts deals with is leadership failure. Talk about the challenges that we face. One of the significant challenges we face as people is when our leaders fail. Whether that's political leaders, when they are caught in corruption, the people suffer. We feel it. Um, Whether it's in business, when leaders fail, their staff, their, their companies feel it. And so much, we know that in the church. When leaders fail, particularly when leaders fail morally in the church, the people feel it. We've got so many stories that I don't have to tell you about so many stories of leaders that have failed. And even right now, we live in a context where politically, in in, in society, in churches, there are so many accounts of leaders that are not doing well, leaders that are failing. And it's a challenge that comes against us. You know, whenever I hear of a significant church leader that has failed, or even just a local pastor that failed in some way in their church. It, it sometimes knocks the wind out of my sails. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It, it, it's, an, it's a way the enemy comes against us. And he, and he wants to push me back. And there's times where, where when I hear those things, I just want to shrink back and say, Lord, I, don't, I, I know I'm not perfect and I just don't want to ever cause anybody to, to feel the way I'm feeling right now when I hear about leaders that fall. But right here, the book of Acts begins in the context of a leadership failure. Judas, who was one of their own, who was among their brethren, who ministered with them, failed. He chose money over his love for Jesus. And it impacted on them. It hurt them. But what is so fantastic here is that right at that moment, this group of people under the leadership of Peter, said, now we need to replace him. We need to choose They didn't give up on leadership. They didn't give up on the task at hand. They didn't say, oh, okay, well, one of our own failed, so we no longer have a right to say anything. <clears throat> we no longer have, you know, credibility. We, we can't do this. No, they said, listen, we got to get back and we got to get moving and we got to work because there's, there's a job to be done and we need somebody to replace him. And I find that encouraging. It helps me when we we face the struggles that we face sometimes, and when we feel the impact and the opposition of leaders that fail, that that we don't shrink back, but that we say, yes, Lord. Because what we've always got to remember is that as the church of the Lord Jesus, our human leaders may fail, but our final leader, Jesus Christ, will never fail us. The, The true head of the church, our leader from which we derive everything is faithful and will always be faithful. He will never fail. But Jesus chose that he will be represented by human beings that has the ability to fail. And this is his wisdom. And therefore we have to understand and put that in the right place in our hearts. That the perfect gospel is spread through imperfect instruments. The perfect Christ is represented by imperfect people. You and me, not just leaders, all of us, we represent Jesus. We are the vehicles. The scripture talks about we have this treasure, this perfect treasure in jars of clay. Fragile, breakable, fallible jars of clay. And so, therefore, we must always keep those things in mind. And I'm, I'm not saying that when, when leaders fail, we should just brush it aside and, and, and not attend to it. No, the scripture is clear. that, that the, In James 3, for instance, it says that a leader, particularly those that teach, must be, must be held doubly accountable. They, they, are, they will be judged more stringent, and we should always hold our leaders to a higher standard. And we should always require more of them. And and by the way, that's why the scripture also says in Timothy, that's why they're worthy of double reward and double honor. Because there's a greater expectation on them. And we should always expect more of our leaders. But when they fail, it's when we remember That Jesus never fails. The gospel never fails. And and let it not be something that stops us from moving forward and taking the gospel on. And this was the first thing they did in preparation for Pentecost. Is they made sure their leadership was in place so that they could move. That when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they, they had the structure and the processes in place so that they could move forward with God. But the main preparation for Pentecost is what we read in Acts 1 verse 14, and I did allude to it last week. In Acts 1 verse 14 and then 2 verse 1, it says, They all took to join together constantly in prayer. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. One of the chief ways that we see throughout the scripture, throughout the book of Acts, that people prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was in prayer. We see it in Acts 4 verse 31, where many of the same people that was in Acts 2 and received the Holy Spirit again received an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it says this in Acts 4 verse 31, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. After they'd had some opposition and persecution, they gathered together again and they prayed and they said, Lord, give us the Spirit. Give us a next level of the Spirit almost because the opposition's against us so that this will not push us back, so that we will not stop, but that we will go boldly forward. And the Holy Spirit was poured out again upon them. Prayer is the positioning of the believer towards the receiving of the Holy Spirit. I believe in prayer. When we come to the Lord in prayer, we, we, we empty ourselves. And then by asking, we fill ourselves with Him. The scripture is so great in Luke 11, verse 9 to 13. I'm just going to read it for you. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. To one who seeks, finds. And to one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Even then, though you are evil, know how to give give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the context where Jesus says, ask and you will receive, is about the Holy Spirit. Ask and the Holy Spirit will be given to you. And that's what we do in prayer. We come and we say, Lord, give us your Holy Spirit. We ask, we desire, we hunger, we thirst for the Holy Spirit. And that's why in, in both churches, we're having next week as a week, week of prayer and fasting uh, from, from Sunday, this, this Sunday, and uh, until the 7th of, uh, of February, we, we're taking a position of, of asking and of, of prayer and saying, Lord, we want your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit. We need a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit to come and empower us like you did with these believers to overcome their obstacles, to overcome their challenges, to not be pushed back by the restrictions of their time. We need you, Holy Spirit, to come and empower us so that we will move beyond the restrictions that we face and the challenges. That we will step forward, that the the wave of the gospel will continue in our time. Come, Holy Spirit. We, we recognize, like I said last week, we cannot do this. We don't have the strength. We don't have what it takes on our own. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come, be poured out. So i want to invite you. Join us. We have great initiatives in both churches and and join, if you're in the East Church, join the East Church program. If you're in the South Church, join the South Church program and and be part of of a community that together comes in prayer and fasting and calls out to the Lord and say, Lord, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. And that's what these people were doing. And so when they were praying together... They were showing the the process, and this is one I've added. It's not part of Craig Keenan's list, but the the process of Pentecost, and the process goes like this. Rest, draw aside, wait upon the Lord, pray, ask, revive, and we're going to see that just now, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that brings a, a reviving on God's people, and then from there, there's a rise and a moving that happens. So I want to say that's the process of Pentecost. It's to rest, to draw aside, to wait. It's to be revived, it's to be strengthened, empowered, and it's to rise and go. And that's what Pentecost is about. And that's, you know, there's every annual time of Pentecost, but I'm talking about Pentecost as in every day of our lives. We are filled with the Spirit and we move under the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. So next week we're going to wait, we're going to pray so that God can move us. And I want to encourage you, please join us in that. But as they were praying... The scripture carries on in in Acts 2, verse 2 to 4. Suddenly, suddenly. So they were praying and suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And here we see the proofs of Pentecost. There there are three manifestations that took place that represented who God is and God's power in that moment. The first one was the the wind, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And and that theophany reminds us of God in the Old Testament. How he often was, was in the wind and represented his presence and his power was represented by a wind. Think of Ezekiel 37. Remember, when Ezekiel was with the valley of the dry bones, and the Lord said to him, prophesy over these dry bones. And then then the Lord said to him, pray that the wind will come and that the wind will will fill their their lungs with air and that they would become alive, that they would be revived. And that's what the the wind represents. It's the reviving, life-giving resurrection power of God. And may we, we have the Spirit of God come, revive us. The second proof, the sign that we had of Pentecost in that moment was the flames of fire, the tongues of fire that came upon them. This, this representation, another epi, uh, theophany of who God is. That often in the Old Testament represented fire, represented his purity, his holiness, his cleansing power. And so these people were right there in a place where they were being revived and refreshed and purified at the same time from from their understanding of what the Old Testament images represented. Now, it is noteworthy that these two signs of the first outpouring of the Pentecost is not mentioned again in the book of Acts. We don't see it when other occasions where the Spirit is poured out that it necessarily described this. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it, that it was only for that moment and never again. It's interesting that there are a couple of recorded points in history where revivals took place on the earth, where, where wind and fire were seen again. In, uh, in the 1960s, there was a revival in Indonesia, uh, in West Timor, and there was re- records of the Holy Spirit being poured out in wind and fire. In the, in the beginning, in the first part of the, of the 20th century, in the early 1900s, there was a, a revival that took place in India. And uh, this revival that uh, happened under a lady by the name of Pandita Ramabai. And she was a quiet, soft-spoken lady. But when they were in an orphanage, uh, the Holy Spirit began to be poured out. And the the fire was seen. There's an account of a a lady by the name of um, uh, Miss J. Abraham's. That came from Australia and uh, she was praying for a period of time quite a long while for the outpouring of the Spirit and one morning she was praying with a group of the girls um, and she was praying and suddenly uh, she was engulfed in flames to the point where one of the girls said that she went ran to the corner of the room to get a bucket of water to pour it over this girl and then she realized she wasn't on fire it was the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God moves there's manifestations of the presence of God. Sometimes things that we don't understand. Sometimes things that, that, that doesn't quite fit into our uh, perspectives and, and how we see things. Because it's supernatural. But where the Spirit of God moves, you see the actions, the, the working of. Not always. Sometimes the Spirit of God moves like the wind. The Scripture says that you see the effects of the wind, but you don't quite see the wind. Sometimes it's, it's quiet. Sometimes it's, it's very visible. But there are times where the Spirit of God moves. And then, of course, there was the third manifestation, which was, in a sense, the most important manifestation because it's the one that is the most often repeated. And, and I'll tell you why and also now why I think it was the most important. And that's the outpouring of tongues. And in this occasion, the tongues that was poured out were actual languages. Later on in the, in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, we read about the heavenly language, which is tongues, which is not intelligible to people. And, and that's a different kind of tongues. This is a tongues that is poured out upon these people in that moment where they suddenly burst forth in the languages of the people that were present. And, and we read about it here in uh, Acts 2 verse 5 to 8. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking, Gal- uh, speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of their, us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? (laughs) I love that question. What does this mean? And you see, that's what so often happens. When God steps onto a scene, when when God manifests His presence, and when we see the theophanies of who God is and we see His power, it leads people to stop and ask the question, What does this mean? When we see a sign and a wonder, a miracle, it arrests people's heart and they go, What does this mean? They're looking for an explanation. They're looking for understanding because what they're seeing doesn't fit their frame of reference. It doesn't fit into their box. And, and this didn't fit into the box of these people for two reasons. First of all, obviously, this was supernatural. That How is it that these people can speak languages that they've never learned, that they've never never lived in those places, but suddenly they can speak these languages? It's supernatural. But the people of the day did believe in supernatural things, and and there were many uh, magicians that did very fancy things all, all around. Probably the bigger thing that baffled them was the fact that they were hearing the gospel in their own language. You see, because for them... In their understanding, the gospel, the kingdom of God, was a Jewish kingdom. It belonged to the Jewish people. These were proselytes, these were people that that became Jews, that turned away from their own life and culture in a way and became Jews. And to them, the the real true language of, of the kingdom is Hebrew. It's the Jewish language. But here they're hearing the gospel in their own language. What does this mean? What an amazing thing that right there at the birth of the church, at the first explosion of the move of God, the gospel breaks every boundary right there. And right there we are told from the beginning that this is a gospel for all nations. This is a gospel that does not belong to one group and not others. But this is a gospel for everybody. That reconciliation between groups and ethnicities is happening right there. Because every person hears the gospel in their own language. I can come. I don't have to first learn Hebrew to understand the gospel. I don't have to first learn how to read Hebrew to read the scripture in my own language. Which is the, 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 the birthplace of my culture. Which is the communication of my humanity. Right With my language. And if there were Zulu people there that day, they would have heard Zulu. If there were Afrikaners, we would have heard Afrikaans. If there were English people, because what the Lord was doing by His Spirit, is, He was saying, this gospel brings about a coming together of all people under the Lordship of Jesus. Remember the covenant is, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will be in the midst of you. God as the center of a community, a new community, which is the kingdom. All people, everybody, that there's no separation anymore. These people at the time, I don't think they completely understand the the practicality, the reality of what that means. That unfolds for us through the rest of the book of Acts. But right there, the Lord breaks every boundary. It's like like these people had an expectation of the Holy Spirit to be poured out in a box, in the the Hebrew box, in the Jewish box. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out in this box. And then the Holy Spirit splashes right over the edges of the box and says, you will not contain me. I am going to the corners of the earth. And in a sense, what we must remember is this takes us back to the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. Where the Tower of Babel, God had to come down and, and disperse the nations because of their pride. And the way he did it is he, he, he confused their languages. Here we see God stepping down and bringing people together again under his lordship and authority. And language is no longer. You see, this is the, a barrier. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets poured out upon us. And it gets us as people to move beyond our, our restrictions in our minds, our our ethnicity and our ethnocentric ways of looking at life, our, our, our dominance of our culture is broken down by the kingdom culture. And, and the spirit empowers us. And it's a process so often. It doesn't happen overnight. But the, when the spirit works, the spirit takes us beyond the limitations that we set. Whether it's gender limitations, whether it's race, ethnic generations, what uh, uh, limitations, whatever it is, the Lord by his spirit empowers us. And these people were empowered. Right there, they understood that the gospel is a multicultural gospel. A, culture, a gospel for all people. There's no excuse. You cannot say this person is from that group of people and they, the gospel is not for them. The gospel is for everyone. Aren't you so thankful? Because I'm one of those everyone's. I'm one of those that is at the end of the line. That if it wasn't for this, perhaps the gospel would have never reached me. Because people would have not allowed it to get all the way down here. All the way to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. These were the people of Pentecost. Everybody. But in that moment we see in Acts 2 verse 13 to 15. Luke records for us, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. <laughs> now, I, This is one of the funniest scriptures for me. Some were making, now I know what they were doing is they were being dismissive of what happened. They couldn't understand it. They didn't have a frame of reference or what they saw. So they just found a ridiculous comment to sort of dismiss it. Because think about it, you know, I can't help but think about it logically. What kind of alcohol must these people be consuming to think that, you, that the result of drinking too much of that alcohol is you suddenly speak a language that, that, no, that, that you've never known. And not gibberish, I understand, you know, drunk people can speak nonsense, but an eligible, uh, understandable, eligible language, legible language, sorry, a, a language that, that the people that were going there were saying, You're speaking to me in my language. I, mean, I don't know what kind of alcohol they were consuming at the time. But obviously, this wasn't a real argument. This was just being dismissive. But Peter stands up and with great clarity and with astuteness and wisdom, he just speaks right into that situation. And I want to just remind you that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens with These two parts, there's always the manifestation of the power of God that arrests people's attention, that brings people to the point where they say, what is this about? What is happening? And then it's followed by the proclamation of the word, the preaching of the word, where the word is being taught to them. Because these people would have been arrested by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But they wouldn't have known how to respond unless Peter got up and told them that you have to repent and be baptized. Which was an offensive thing to say to Jewish people because Jewish people didn't get baptized. They were born into the kingdom because of, and they were circumcised into the kingdom. Now he says to them you have to be, behave like Gentiles and go and be baptized. But preaching and the power goes together. Because I know sometimes today, some people think that when the Holy Spirit arrives, there's no need for preaching. Now, I know there's times where you can't preach because the power of the Holy Spirit is so real. I've had times in services where I had a sermon prepared and I couldn't preach because the Spirit of God was there. But that doesn't mean preaching is less. They go hand in hand. And so Peter gets up here and he begins to proclaim the truth to them. And we read it um, in, uh, in Acts 2. Uh, sorry, from verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. It needed explanation. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Your your your, your statement is ridiculous. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm, I'm reading from verse 16. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on All people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Peter helps these Jewish people make the link right to what was prophesied in the Old Testament. And he says, what you're experiencing right now is what the Old Testament prophets told us would happen. This is that which they spoke of. The Spirit of God is being poured out upon all people, men and women, all nations, so that they may prophesy. Now, today when we hear the word prophesy, our mind so often goes to what I would call personal prophecy. And, and, you know, when somebody helps me and prays for me, gives me a word, helps me understand God's will for my life, helps me understand perhaps what God is doing in my life and what it may lead to. And, and while that is a very important part of prophecy, we must remember that the, the, the basket of prophecy, what prophecy really is, is telling people about who God is and what his will is. And the Old Testament prophets, David was a prophet. He didn't prophesy as much as, you know, foretell the future, but he, he showed, he lived, he told people who God was. To be a witness in the New Testament is to operate in the spirit of prophecy. You need the spirit of prophecy. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy, and the spirit of prophecy is poured out upon us so that each of us, every believer, every man, every woman, every child, can stand up and prophetically speak, this is who God is, and draw people, explain to people, make people understand and know who God is and what His will is. So when you are out there and the Lord opens an opportunity for you and you're praying and seeking uh, an opportunity to, to go and witness to somebody, to tell them about Jesus, you require the spirit of prophecy in that moment. You require the spirit of God to come upon you, to help you. To speak into that situation. To, re- to be the one that reveals the kingdom of God to them. And this is what, what, what Peter is saying here. What you are seeing right here is the same Spirit that came upon the prophets of the Old Testament. Is the same Spirit that is being poured out upon these people. But now instead of it being a select few, it will be on all people, all men. There's no discrepancy as long as you are a child and a follower of Jesus. The Spirit is given to you and the Spirit can come. And the Spirit will empower you to stand up and to prophesy. To tell who God is. To step forward. In the spirit of prophecy to make God known and to make his will known to the people around us. You are a prophet of God in this sense. There's the office of the prophet, which is something different. There's the gift of prophecy, which is something different. But in its core, in its beginning, in its level one, we all have become the prophets of God. Because you are the voice of God. You are the representation of the kingdom in your context and your sphere of influence. You may be the only one that will be the prophet that takes to the people in your workplace or in your family or in your place of of, uh, relaxation or wherever that you may be the only person that steps forward in that space, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to speak about who God is. Now, I know we don't always speak. Because that's the leading of the Holy Spirit that we require. But we're always ready to speak. We must always be ready as followers of Christ, like Peter was here, to stand up under the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because some of us, you know, we, we find it so difficult. To talk about, we don't think we know enough, we don't, we're not courageous enough, we, you know, whatever, and, and we hold back and we don't want to talk about Jesus. But that's where we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and, and helps us, he teaches us what we need to know. And in that moment the scripture says he will tell you what to say uh, when it's needed. And we stand up and we say, Lord, this is who God is. So i to invite you in this week of prayer and fasting that we are going through. Won't you join us? And let's together as a church and then also as individuals say, Lord, pour out your spirit. We are facing opposition. Our culture is growingly uncomfortable with Christianity and growingly pushing against everything that we believe. We are restricted right now because of COVID 19. Missionaries can't travel. Some of us don't see our colleagues at work, and and we've been praying for them, but we don't have the opportunities to share with them. We are fearing death at the moment and the reality of so many people dying. Our economy is struggling and faltering, and and many of us are just trying to make ends meet, and we don't quite know how, how tomorrow we're going to make it till tomorrow and what tomorrow is going to look like. We have social upheaval, but thank you, Holy Spirit. We call upon the name, through the name of Jesus, we call upon the Father and we say, Lord, give us your spirit. And you said, Lord, in your word, that if we are evil, know how to give good gifts to our children when they ask. How much more will our Father give us the spirit when we ask? We don't have to be afraid that some funny spirits are going to, when we ask God for the spirit, that's what he gives us, is the Holy Spirit. So right now, I want to pray. And as we go into this week of prayer and fasting, and again, there's more information coming at the end of our service, and please make sure that you, that you, you know, read the emails that we send you and the, and the social media and everything that tells you about all the occasions and how we're praying. We've got really fantastic things lined up. But let's pray together. So join us in this week, but join me right now as I pray. I want to ask you, just open your heart in this moment and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are the giver of the Holy Spirit. And that you are not withholding the Spirit from us at this time. But you're inviting us to ask, to lean in, to desire, to hunger for the Holy Spirit. And say, therefore, because you said it, we come and boldly we ask. We need your Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are given to us freely as a gift from the Father. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We don't deserve you, Holy Spirit. You are given to us by the Father. Because we ask. So we ask right now. We say, come, fill us, Holy Spirit. Empower us. Empower us for these days. Empower your church. We pray for the church of the Lord Jesus across every nation, across every place. We say, be poured out upon the church right now. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for our church, our community. Be poured out, Holy Spirit. We pray for our family, we pray. For my family, I pray, be poured out, Holy Spirit. I pray for myself. I say, be poured out, Holy Spirit. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Won't you just take a moment and just let's wait on the Holy Spirit, just for a moment. Because right now, even some of you may receive the Holy Spirit. And it may be that He gives you a gift, a, a, the gift of tongues, or, or some other gifting that He may give according to His wisdom and desire for the good of the church. Let's just wait upon Him. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm certainly just experiencing the presence of the Lord right now. Wow, thank you, Jesus. I trust that right where you are, you're experiencing the presence of the Lord. And let's push in this week, let's draw aside in fasting. Let's draw aside in prayer and call out for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with me today. May we have a fantastic week together in the presence of the Lord. And I pray for you that whatever obstacles you will face, whatever challenges you will face, that you will experience the grace and the power of the Lord in Jesus' name. See you through the week. Bless you.
0: Hi family, I'm back. Uh, We're so excited about our week of prayer and fasting. As I mentioned earlier with Louis, it takes place from the 1st to the 7th of February. And I really want to encourage you to be intentional about engaging in this journey. Uh, If you want any information, our website is the best place to get all the information. It has an overview of the whole week. Uh, But while I have your attention, I'd just love to share some key pointers so you can plan your week. This booklet was compiled by our pastoral team and is the main tool our prayer journey hinges around. Our idea is simply that each of us work through the same content during our personal devotions this week. You can pick up a copy at our church reception or download an electronic version on our website. Uh, Fasting is an important part of this week. Television, coffee, Netflix, social media, what's your fix? Uh, Make room for God by giving up your fix for this week. To be honest with you, my weak point is news. And so I'm planning to delete all my news apps this week. And the time that I would have spent looking at news, I'm gonna spend time with the Lord in prayer. So what's your fix? And are you ready to give it up for seven days? We're restricted to meeting online this year, so all our corporate sessions take place in our virtual prayer room. Uh, We've made things as simple as possible by creating one link for all the corporate meetings. Uh, Please visit our website for everything that takes place in our virtual prayer room. There are many opportunities to engage with and we don't want you to miss out. Uh, What I will say though, is that our team has prepared a wonderful interactive package for the Friday nights corporate session. There's something here for the whole family. Get your package while you pick up an online devotion at the church reception. Family, get ready. It's gonna be a significant time.